Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel uh, here in Durham along with Mike Lanana. Joining us live from Houston, our own Ted Cahill, who's uh, down at the Shriners Hospital's College Classic. Fez's galore in Houston, Teddy. Uh, very evident on the MLB Network broadcast all weekend. A huge weekend of college baseball as the regular season went through its second weekend, and we have some changes in the college top 25. But uh, Teddy thought we would start with you and Mike just kind of chewing over what happened down in, uh, in Texas. I guess all tournaments are supposed to be, everything's supposed to be bigger and better in Texas. Uh, that tournament wasn't bigger. They were bigger out in uh, San Diego this weekend. It was the Tony Gwynn inaugural uh tournament down in San Diego. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'll tell you what was better in Texas this weekend, and that was TCU. They uh, they have a bigger freshman than everybody else at Luke and Baker, and uh, maybe a better class of newcomers, because TCU has come out um, just fantastic. I'd say guns blazing, but they're Texas Christian, so we'll try to keep it on the on the Jesus tip. They were very, very good this weekend, uh, and just, just looks like Jim Schlossnagel has reloaded uh, not uh, rebuilt down uh, down in Dallas. Uh, I'm sorry, in Fort Worth. Yeah, the, the Horned Frogs, uh, I mean, they looked really good. They won all three games here. They they came out and, and they, I mean, they, not only did they win all three games, they, they blew out you know, their, their opponents for three games. And it, it was a really loud statement from them. Uh, you know, they, Coming off two Omaha trips, you know, it's a that program is obviously very, very solid. But you know, there were questions uh, coming into the year, having lost uh, three starting pitchers plus a closer that um, in Riley Farrell was, you know, a, one of the best closers in college baseball the last few years. And you know, so far it hasn't mattered for TCU. They've uh, they've figured things out, and they, they had to figure things out on the fly a little bit uh, last week when Mitchell Traver, um, you know, who was supposed to start opening day. Uh, you know, was injured. He he uh, he's out for four to six weeks with a, a lat strain. But you know, TCU they're they're just humming right along, and uh, you know that it it looks like a very very good team again. And you know, Luke and Baker was outstanding on Saturday night. He threw six shutout innings and, and he hit a home run, and uh, it was a mammoth home run. And they. Uh, Schlossnagel, like you said, you know he's uh, he's reloaded. There, there was no rebuilding year. There was just a reload. The amazing thing to me, guys, um, and Mike, I'd like you to weigh in on this some too. I mean, Luke and Baker. You know, the first time I saw him was a junior home run derby. You know, hitting home runs. And I remember our former colleague Clint Longenecker talking about you know, the power that Luke and Baker had, and, and Teddy's story on from Saturday night, I guess it is. Maybe this is from Sunday. Where he talked about how Luke and Baker, I mean, uh, Jim Schlossnagel said, if you'd ask the 30 teams, probably half like them as a hitter and half like them as a pitcher, and you saw why tonight. That's accurate. Just talking to the scouts I talked to about him coming out of high school. I tell you who he sounds a lot like, and this is probably putting a lot on him. He sounds like A.J. Reed. I know he's not a left-handed hitter like A.J. Reed, but he sounds like A.J. Reed, who was a Friday night guy in the SEC and led the country in home runs. I mean, I don't know, my 
Is that too much of a too lofty of a comparison? No, I've I thought the same thing, and you know it might be maybe a little too early to make that jump, just considering he's he's made two starts in his college career. But obviously, there's a lot to like from what we've seen so far. You know, I've I've had the same questions: Would I rather have him as a pitcher? Or would I rather have him as a hitter? I mean, you look at him out on the mound. You know, Jim, our Jim Schoner tweeted over the weekend that you wouldn't want to get in a fight with him. You wouldn't want to charge the mound. And <laughs> he's a big boy. He he is a big boy. I mean, it's. You know, there, there's just a lot. Like he doesn't look like a freshman is the thing with him. And obviously, you know, you look at his two starts. Not only has he thrown six scoreless innings in each start, he's homered in each start. So it's, I mean, that's crazy. If he keeps up that pace, I mean, he was he was my preseason freshman of the year choice. Same same thing for Jim. I mean, right now it looks like he's sort of following in the path you mentioned, AJ Reed. But it's kind of similar to what Brendan McKay was doing last year for Louisville too. Um, you Good know. call. Yeah. Great call, as Clint, <laughs> as Clint also would say. So, you know, you know, obviously it's still early and a lot can happen, but it's a very promising start for him, and he has the stuff and obviously the power to, to keep it going. So, Teddy, to me, TCU, uh, we kind of thought they would have a star. We thought they would have this, uh, this freshman star. We really did, clearly half of us in the office, <laughs> you and me being the other half, <laughs> clearly half of us <laughs> thought he could be freshman of the year. Um, so we thought they'd have the star. It's really not a shock that he's doing what he's doing. But this is more than Luke and Baker. Who else kind of stepped forward for TCU, and who else caught your eye for them this weekend? Well, before that, I, I just want to say AJ Reed might be selling Luke and Baker short. Uh, <laughs> wow. You know, I know it, I know the Mets drafted AJ Reed as a pitcher out of high school, but you know he doesn't throw with the. I know he's left-handed, but he doesn't throw with Luke and Baker's velocity, and Baker's already throwing. Uh, you know he's commanding stuff well. I, I, yeah. Like he's probably said, ahead. You, starts, I think you're right, though. He probably is a little ahead of where uh, A.J. Reed was. I think that's fair to say. By the way, Joe Demers does have, uh, my preseason freshman of the year pick, does have uh, 10 strikeouts in 11 innings so far. So, come on, Joe. Pick up the pace. <laughs> and uh, has not been allowed to hit yet by U-Dub. They're focusing him on the mound. So, I was hoping he'd, pitch, he'd hit a little bit in his college career yet. I have to call the talk, talk to talk to coach out there and see see what he thinks about uh, hitting him so he can catch up to Luca Baker here in the race. But uh, it does seem like you know one of the other reasons I guess that we liked TCU was you know, last year's freshman class kind of coming back uh, this year. What they could do as sophomores, uh, it does seem like those guys again that that supporting cast that Baker has is it's a pretty strong supporting cast. It is. Um... You know, Evan Skagg behind the plate, one of those sophomores, he, uh, you know, he's hitting three-hole right in front of Baker, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's off to a good start, and, uh, you know, Brian Howard on, on Friday night, starting on the mound, he was, uh, he was very good for TCU, he's a junior, but, you know, they hadn't used him a ton the last two years because of the pitching depth that they had, but, uh, you know, they really need him to, to step into a bigger role this year, and, and so far he's doing just that, and I, you know, it, it looks like, um, between him and Baker and then uh, this left-hander Rex Hill, the junior college transfer, that they'll be good on the mound again, which is what do you expect from TCU. Uh, you know, Kirk Sarloos does a great job with their pitching staff there. You know, but, but the lineup, Jim Schlossnagel uh, said several times that you know this is the, the deepest lineup he's ever had, and they don't have Nolan Brown right now, who, who Schlossnagel thinks is uh, you know, maybe their most dynamic offensive player. So... Uh, when, when he gets back from injury, it, it could be even better than, than what it is right now. That's the that's the impressive thing is that they are off to this great start despite a lot of roster turnover, and they're not at full strength. <laughs> one of their key hitters and one of their key pitchers, as you mentioned, in Traver, uh, not available yet. 
Um, the other thing that you wrote about down there, Teddy, and obviously Mike, uh, you know, I want you to weigh in on this as well. Arkansas, uh, very loud start for the Razorbacks. They jump into the rankings at number 17. So TCU jumps up the rankings from 17 to 9, and uh, Arkansas takes their place at 17 as Houston and Louisiana Lafayette. Houston went 0-3 down there. Louisiana Lafayette one and two. Those two teams dropped uh, in our top twenty-five poll. Actually, I guess yeah. Lafayette sixteen, Arkansas seventeen. Uh, the Razorbacks. I mean, I I think that Michael Bernal, the shortstop, was one of the last guys I left off my top fifty senior list. Already, reg- I immediately regret this decision. Yeah, um, milk was a bad jumping choice. in the bear pit. Bad leaving Michael Bernal off the top fifty seniors list. I believe I left him off. Also bad. Four home runs already for Michael Bernal. I mean, this guy's not going to be Andrew Benintendi part two, is he, uh, Teddy? I mean, uh, where's the power coming from for him? And uh, I mean, I know that the kind of the Arkansas liked what they had coming back, especially up the middle of their lineup, uh, of their defense, I should say. But was it 17 newcomers? That Dave Van Horn, again, a veteran coach who kind of seems like he's seamlessly uh, transitioned from last year's team and brought in all these newcomers, and Arkansas hit the ground running. Yeah, uh, you know, Bernal uh, was the named most outstanding player of the the tournament here, and uh, I, you know he showed some some real good power. He had, I think it was three home runs here, and um, he, he said that that he, he really worked in the over the the off season to to become a better power hitter. Uh, but you know, to me, it, it, it it's impressive that that Arkansas has this offense because they they did lose significant pieces from last year. Uh, especially Andrew Benintendi, the college player of the year. Uh, but they think, you know, Coach Dave Van Horn thinks that, that this is a, a more balanced lineup than last year and, and maybe a deeper one that, you know, they don't have Benintendi, um, but that the, they can ha- they can share the load better this year, that, that they're experienced enough that it, it's not going to have to be one guy that makes them go all the time. And, you know, obviously Benintendi had help last year, but... When you lose a star like that, I, I think it is people are going to wonder, you know, what, what, who's going to fill the void? And Arkansas is not looking for one person; they're they're just looking to, you know, to have a deep lineup and, and to put together quality at bats one through nine. And you know, Mike, we saw Arkansas last year in Omaha, mm-hmm. and so much of the focus was on Benintendi, but also on Zach Jackson. Right. And there was this question about whether he would move into the rotation or whether he'd stay in the bullpen. Clearly, Dave Jorn, their pitching coach, and Coach Van Horn felt that you know, they wanted him as that weapon out of the bullpen, and he is such a weapon. But that did mean they had to come up with other starting pitchers around. Uh, Tacalini, who came on for them late last season, uh, so like they pitched pretty well this weekend as well. I mean, obviously, Teddy, you could weigh in here, but, but we a lot of this, these pitchers that we are seeing for Arkansas, these were the guys who helped get them to Omaha last year. Clearly, Benintendi was the star and the guy who drove that team last year, but the, you know, most of the pitching from last year's uh, Omaha team is back for the Razorbacks this year. Right. I mean, I think the the most significant loss they had was was Trey Killian. Right. Was was the biggest loss. But other than that, most of the the staff is intact. And obviously, I know Teddy, you really like their pitching coming into this year, and you were a big Arkansas proponent as we were talking about a preseason rankings. And yeah, you know, seeing Zach Jackson pitch this weekend, obviously I wasn't there, but watching him on TV, he jumps out. He does. He does. He does jump out, and seeing him in Omaha last year too, and in the SEC tournament. I mean, he, I think he could make the kind of impact that Josh Spores did for Virginia a year ago. You know how important Josh Spores was in Omaha nice. and, and all that. I, and I, a guy who, if you and when when Virginia needed him, I don't think, <laughs> you know, last year in the ACC tournament, Virginia was in the playing game. Mm-hmm. If they had to win one. 
and they started Josh Boers. It does seem like Zach Jackson is the kind of guy. You don't want him to start week in, week out. You'd like him to affect two games on a weekend, not one. But if you need him, I, I like that comp to Josh to, to Spores. I mean, similar high-effort delivery, uh, similar ridiculously unhittable breaking ball, probably throws a little bit harder uh, maybe than Spores. Although I saw Spores up to 97 last year. I like that comp. You're two for two, Mike. Keep it up. That's good. And uh, Teddy, you know, we, Mike's talking about uh, Zach Jackson. Obviously, they made the decision to leave him in the bullpen. Uh, you know, that must mean they had faith in their starting pitching from what you saw this weekend. Was that uh, faith well-founded for the Arkansas Razorbacks? Uh, well, Tacalini was really good on Friday night. Uh, and then they got a couple of short outings from the, their next two guys. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where they go from here. And I... The, the, the pitching, like Mike mentioned, I, I was not concerned too much about it. You know, I, in, in the preseason, I, I thought that was the strength of this team. Uh, and Keen McKinney uh, yesterday did not get out of the first inning. He just wasn't commanding his stuff. Uh, but if, if he can get back to, to what he's capable of doing, then that's a really good guy uh, you know, to have on, on a Sunday. And uh, the, the Arkansas had a lot of arms to throw out. Uh, from the bullpen, they used uh, seven guys in back-to-back days, I believe, and you know they, they they were all pretty good out of the bullpen. So you know if Arkansas has to string it together a little bit while uh, while some guys get back to full health, uh, you know get get going 100 percent again, then it seems like they'll be capable of doing that. And and, and again, Jackson is is a difference maker. Uh, and the way they use him, you know, he went three innings on Friday night, and, and he was ready to come in on, on Sunday if they needed him. So, you know, he, he can affect the... Nice. Our first ringtone of the year, I believe, in a podcast. Outstanding. It's from Arkansas. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Maybe it was Graham Jordan who did ask us on Twitter uh, if we could talk about the Ar- thoughts on the Arkansas team after their hot start, which we've, we've given, but thank you to Graham uh, for, the, for the tweet. But continue. Yeah, so Jackson, you know, can affect multiple games in a weekend, and... and um, if he didn't get a chance to this weekend, I didn't need it, but it's there as a, as a possibility, and I'm, you're going to see it uh, throughout the season, I'm sure. He is, uh, he's good. He's a great weapon to have there in the background. Uh, it's a Baseball America College podcast with Ted Cahill and Mike Lanana. Jim Schoner is going to join us uh, after we take a break in a minute, but I did want to talk about the other big riser up this week's uh, rankings. Uh, Teddy, obviously you weren't here. You're down in Houston but Mike wound up going to all three Oklahoma State and North Carolina games, two top 25 teams. And as, as is often the case, Mike's Vine game was on this weekend. Uh, and who knew that you would Vine three game-winning hits in a row, but three straight walk-offs. It was like better than the Catalina wine mixer, for crying out loud, for, <laughs> for North Carolina. Uh, obviously, Teddy, you're down in Houston, so you weren't here in the triangle area for this, but uh, Mike was. And just the way the series went, Mike, you're going to go see North Carolina and Oklahoma State anyway because it's two top 25 teams. It's our backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you wind up seeing something that I- I've never seen, three straight games, an uh, entire college three-game series, where one team walks off the other one all three times. And, Teddy, I don't remember, did you have Carolina in your preseason top 25, or were you a little hesitant on the Tar Heels? No, I'm the one that wanted them. Okay, you're the one that wanted them. Yeah. We were almost too familiar. We did not want them, and now we've got them, whether we want them or not. They're at number 12. Back-to-back series wins, Mike. And just, I mean, you were there. The vibe around this team last year was listless. I think that's a fair word to use for the 2015 Tar Heels. That is not a fair word to use this year, it seems like. 
I would agree. Yeah, the the culture last year just it just felt off. It just the mood around the team. There's just something about it. It just I don't know. It was just off. And obviously the mood this year is already dramatically different. The clubhouse is loose. Everyone's excited, and it helps when you're when you're winning. I mean, you open the season at UCLA and you take two out of three, and then you know the three walkoffs this weekend. I mean, you can't ask for something like that. You know, no one could have seen that coming, but. You know, it does say a lot about the character of, of this UNC club. It's a young team, and, you know, the reason that I think you and I were, were on the fence about them coming in is just because of how much they lost on, on the offensive side with, right. you know, a few transfers out and, and graduation and, and all of that. I mean, it's there's no question it's a young lineup, and, and there are a lot of questions coming into the year. But so far, they've responded well. You know, Kyle Datris is batting in the three-hole, playing second base, a freshman. He had the walk-off hit Friday night. They're not asking as much of him as TCU asks of Luke and Baker, but this is another freshman off to a great start because they are asking him to, from day one, play second base, bat three-hole, be our energy guy, really. And he's living up to those expectations. I know just some of the scouts I talked to after Carolina's first weekend um, and going into this weekend, just guys in this area were like, yeah, Kyle Datris is legit. He's a really good player. I don't know if he should be the three-hole hitter from day one. So far, he's answering those questions pretty well because Oklahoma State and UCLA, those are two teams that, like whatever bench. you can say, they, they have arms. Exactly. Yeah. They have a variety of arms, different kind of pitchers, uh, power guys, sinker slider guys. He seems like he's been very comfortable in that three-hole, right, Mike? Yeah, he's been, you know, I don't see any reason to move him from that three-hole. I don't know who else you would, you would put there at, at this point. You know, he's been very good, and they also really like the freshman catcher that they have, Cody Roberts. He's started all six games for them so far. He's shown a good arm, and he's hit well at the plate. He walks up to a Dr. Dre song. I like I like <laughs> that part of it. You know, it's it's been, uh, you know, the freshmen have contributed so far, and they've also, I think just as importantly, as some sophomores have stepped up for him. Logan Warmoth is batting in the fifth hole, and they need protection there for Tyler Ramirez. You know, Tyler Ramirez is going to be the guy that people circle in that lineup right. in a cleanup spot, so they need protection. And Logan Warmoth so far has stepped up and not hitting for a lot of power, but he's making contact. He's, he's, he's you know, connecting with the ball. So, you know, he's been good, and they've obviously, you know, gotten situational hitting, you know, down to a science at this point, you know, laying down a bunt yesterday, uh, Sunday, Cody Roberts laid it down, moved it to second and third, and that set up the game when he hit by Eli Sutherland, a, a senior who's right. who's one of those guys, a clubhouse guy, keeps his head down, and who everyone roots for. So I think I think the one thing that really stands out for Carolina more than anything is their pitching. Uh, you know, they have the arms, everyone on that staff, there's 90-plus and the bullpen this weekend, I think, made the biggest difference just because A.J. Bogucki, Hunter Williams, those guys threw all three games. They didn't give up a run any of those games. And Hanson Butler, their closer, he's a sophomore, but he's legit. Those straight over the top, 92, touching 94, really a hammer of a breaking ball. He was filthy this weekend. So they really have a lot of options in that bullpen, and obviously it was... There are a lot of noises going on. We got on a lot of crap going right on now, here. But, uh, <laughs> That's okay. Keep going. Yeah, but no, it was uh, it was impressive. It, it was definitely an impressive showing. And it's all new pieces to the bullpen. It's not, uh, you know, the guys who were there last year uh, who pitched every close game are gone in yeah. Kelly and Trent Thornton. And uh, we've got Teddy back now. But, uh, but, yeah, pretty impressive for North Carolina to sweep. Um, guys, uh, just your, your impressions of, of Oklahoma State. I mean, uh, Mike... Uh, if you well, you know what you saw, but also Teddy, what you think a sweep you know like this means uh, for Oklahoma State? I mean, uh, you lose three straight games by a run like that. That can't be easy to come back from. Just Mike, if you could go first, just what what you yeah. thought of 
what was your impression of uh, of that club, uh, Josh Holiday's club? Have the talent to bounce back from this? Yeah, I think they definitely have the talent. I mean, they were in every game, obviously. You know, just because they went down to the wire. You know, it's it's just the the, the ta- challenge with them at this point is just the psyche of it. Just because they've lost four straight walk off games. Actually, going back to the the game before Carolina was also a walk off loss. And all five of their losses this year have been one run losses. So. It's really for them, and, and I talked to Josh Holiday before the series, and he said we just need to improve our situational hitting. And obviously those words rang true throughout the weekend as you know they weren't able to, to seal the deal. But I, I do really like their team. They, they've got a veteran club. they got some, some bats in that lineup. Donnie Walton was really impressive, a senior shortstop. I'm working on a story on him. Uh, stay tuned for that on BaseballAmerica.com. But he, uh, you know, he made some smooth plays out at shortstop. He's a smooth defender, and you know, he's he's a switch hitter and a guy who can impact the baseball. I mean, he hit a monster shot, you know, in the, right. in the, in the first inning yesterday. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, the the last two games of that series, they jumped ahead early, big in the first inning, two run home run yesterday, the day before grand slam. Yeah, crooked numbers both times. Yeah, yeah, so it's just been finishing. They just need to learn how to finish. And Teddy, for me, the takeaway from the weekend is we jumped TCU up way up high and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 falls to 22 and you know kind of a iffy year for the Big 12 last year you know you have Texas splitting at home with Stanford this past weekend uh, Texas Tech looked good out in Houston I don't want to kind of what you're taking can Oklahoma State come back from this and still compete for first place in the Big 12 or do you feel like TCU is now the favorite in that conference um you know that that's 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 tough. Uh, TCU, I, I guess maybe maybe should be the favorite again. Um, they they have the the experience of, of winning, and um, they're definitely playing way better right now. But you know, every coach knows that it's it's only February. Um, you know, for one more day, it's only February, and yeah, there's just so much baseball left to be played, and they won't even play conference games for another few weeks. Um, but Oklahoma State's a veteran club, so you know I definitely expect them to bounce back. They haven't played a home game yet, even. Um, right. Their home opener is is tomorrow against Incarnate Word. Um, you know, so when, when they get back home, and, and they'll be there for a few weeks now, I, you know, they, they should be able to to get things going in the right direction and, and, and get help, you know, get right before they start the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, slate TCU though. I those two schools and, and maybe Texas and Texas Tech are are uh, you know they they should all be pretty competitive right at the top of the conference. I would think. And Oklahoma was in our preseason top twenty-five. We dropped them out of the rankings this week, so uh, we did have a question on the Twitter machine before I uh, get to our ad. <clears throat> Excuse me, of uh, from at College Fan three. I'll let you guys take this, and then we'll take a quick break. Is Alec Hansen this year's version of Michael Machuela? Same injury flags. Excited to see his form in LA at Dodger Classic. Obviously, not the same injury flags. You know, he doesn't have a, a difficult to pronounce back condition that I don't recall for Michael Machuela. And then Machuela had Tommy John, so you know, not the same yet. But Alec Hansen does have a long history of you know his high school senior year. You can go on BaseballAmerica.com and. Put Alec Hansen in the in the search engine, and you come up with Connor Glassie's write up of when Alec Hansen was shut down with forearm strain before the draft out of high school in Colorado. And I will note, I love the Colorado high school baseball phylum of pitchers, but that phylum had a rough year in 2015. Guys like Marco Gonzalez and Kyle Freeland who took steps back. I still like Kyle Freeland. I still like Marco Gonzalez. But those guys took step back steps back, and 
uh, Alec Hansen, you know, people, I've talked to scouting directors, they like that phylum too. <laughs> I didn't come up with this on my own. I got it from those jokers. Uh, but uh, there's caution on Alec Hansen. And uh, Teddy, obviously, in the first week, he was not very good. Uh, you're headed out to L.A. What can you tell a college fan of three to look for with Alec Hansen? Uh, I, you know, I don't know what what, um, what what to say with him exactly right now. He's He was so bad in that first outing. Uh, the stuff was all there. He just didn't know where it was going, apparently. And, uh, it, was, it was a bit better this weekend, but you know, they need to get him going because you know, the reason why we liked them coming into the season was you know, Jake Elliott and, and, and Alec Hansen were supposed to be this, this really good one-two punch at, at the top of a rotation that, that gives you a chance to win every weekend, and they haven't been that so far. Uh, Oklahoma's lost both Friday night games, and um, they, you know, they, they really need to, to get those guys going if they're going to get going because it's a, it's a bit of a younger offense. Um, so with Alec Hansen, I don't know. You know I, everyone's going to be interested to see. I imagine there will be a lot of scouts there uh, to watch it, uh, and the, you know they're they're trying to figure this out just like everyone else is right now. I think. Yeah, you don't want to see a stat line of two two starts, four innings, four hits, seven walks, uh, six strikeouts, a wild pitch, and a hit batter. It's not ideal. It's not what you're looking for. <laughs> is Austin Hanson his younger brother? He's uh, no. He's well. He. Same name, uh, brother from another mother. He's he's pitched well. <laughs> the, Austin Hansen's pitched well. Alec Hansen not so much. Sooners three and five, um, as they head out to uh, to Dodger Town. Guys, uh, if you're headed out to Dodger Town as a fan, or if you're headed to any other college baseball event, uh, or of course, uh, March starts tomorrow. You're headed out to the uh, postseason for college basketball. Uh, if you've been frustrated trying to buy tickets online. Most sites make it complicated and they try to sneak in huge fees at the checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. So SeatGeek has taken all the work and the hassle basically out of shopping for tickets. It's basically a search engine for tickets. They put all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if and when ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. Before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. I'm guessing, Mike, after a few years working with Baseball America, those grades are going to be on a 2080 scouting scale for your SeatGeek uh, seat grades. Uh, best of all, SeatGeek is also... SeatGeek, I'm Greek, they're SeatGeek, <laughs> is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from the start to finish, and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you get that $20 rebate on tickets. Download the free SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code BA20. That's the letter B, the letter A, and the numbers 20. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter your promo code BA20 today. And we welcome SeatGeek aboard as the sponsor of Baseball America Podcasts. Guys, we're going to go ahead and bring uh, Jim Schonert in, wrap up the podcast, talking a little Tony Gwynn uh, classic. Back here on the Baseball America College Podcast, joined now by Jim Schonert as well. But uh, guys, we also had a little movement at the top of the rankings. We want to wrap up with two things. Florida's still at number one. Miami's still at number six. It's as if that series never happened. <laughs> But 
kind of basically we, we left those teams as they were because the series kind of happened as expected. Florida goes down to Coral Gables, wins two of three, uh, but Miami uh, did not get swept by the Gators. And then we have Louisville going to Ole Miss. So another ACC, uh, this time the ACC team goes on the road at the SEC team, and the SEC team wins that series as well uh, as Ole Miss wins the series at home. We jump the Rebels up to 13th. Um, guys, uh, I guess the, my takeaway from that Florida-Miami series, and Jimmy, you can weigh in on this if you want to, or obviously Teddy, uh, boy, it's quite the luxury to have when you have two preseason All-Americans and A.J. Puck and Logan Shore, but your best starter might be the Sunday guy and Alex Fado. If Alex Fado is going to go 92-94, touching sevens a lot and pitching in that 92-97 range, I mean, come on, man. That's ridiculous. I mean, Dane Dunning would start for a lot of teams. Jackson Kowar would start for a lot of teams. Florida's pitching is ridiculous. And Alex Fado, I mean, Jimmer, is there anybody who's got a Sunday starter like him in the country? Can't be very many. I mean, we've, it's like we've talked about... Uh... You know, they've got the number one, possible number one pick going on Saturdays. A luxury. Now with Fado. I mean, we saw Fado in Omaha last year. I think he beat, uh, I think he beat Miami there, if I remember right, Mike. But I remember I he pitched well. Whatever, so. He did pitch well. Or maybe well. it was Virginia. Whatever game he started, he pitched well as a freshman with their season on the line. And now, obviously, he goes on the road in a rubber game, top ten series, and goes out and throws a no-hitter into the seventh. I mean, that's that's pretty big time. I mean, Teddy, what was your takeaway from that from that series down in uh, Coral Gables? I mean, obviously Miami, it seems like Miami competed well, played well, had good crowds. Florida's just really, really good. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that is the takeaway is that Florida is, is dominant. Um, you know, when I talked to Coach O'Sullivan um, yesterday after the game, he said that was the best uh, Fado had pitched in the Florida uniform. So... To get that in that environment, you know, that's only a good sign um, you know, for the rest of the year for the Gators. Of course, at this time, his dad, Lenny, was a big leaguer already. He got to the big leagues as a 20-year-old, was out of pro ball by age 26, was a first-round pick of the Twins. So a lot to live up to in the family, but so far, Fado, <laughs> he's pretty good. That's all, I, that's all I know is he's really good and Florida is really good. I don't think our opinion has changed necessarily on Louisville. I think we no. still think Louisville's really good, Jimmy. It did but... kind of strike me that, I mean, it wasn't, it's not the end of the world, but the ACC did kind of get a little bit of a bloody nose this weekend with those two series and Virginia losing at home to the, yeah. to the Pirates. Pirates. But, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, North Carolina's a pleasant story, a pleasant surprise. Uh, NC State kind of took, took a nice little series from Wright State. You know, Florida State, same thing with College of Charleston. But, uh, you know, the top of the league, a little bit of a... Like I said, a little bit of a bloody nose weekend. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I, that's a fair way to put it. Um, NC State, uh, a game that you went, uh, we both went Friday, saw them lose to Wright State. They kind of rallied. Um, but both those teams, Louisville and NC State, one thing in common this weekend, not so good on Friday. Yeah. Kyle Funkhauser, not good on Friday. I mean, Louisville has the luxury of uh, pitching Brendan McKay on Saturday. But if Kyle Funkhauser, I mean, you have a million ways to talk about his funk. But he started... His start this week was too similar to the ones from last year. Always, you know, even coming into last year when he was started the year as the number one college arm on the board, he was still doing that with a 4.5 walks per nine average in his first two seasons. So these bouts of wildness, this is not out of character for Kyle Funkhauser. In some way, that, that's a feature, not a bug. So that's concerning for me for Louisville. That's the longer-term concern. I still like their pitching depth. I still think Kyle Funkhauser is a really good prospect and going to be a good college pitcher this year 
But confidence is uh, can be shaken very easily when you're 22 years old. So well, that's what I'm worried about for him. Well, right now, through eight and two-thirds innings, he has 11 walks, 10 hits. Pretty much. That's not what you want. So it's not, you know, I think, obviously, you look at his track record, and, I mean, control issues have been a problem in the past, but he's been able to work through them. And, he's, you know, he has an excellent track record as far as pitching for USA and Cape Cod and just everything that he's done, right. you know, with Louisville. Um, you know, he got off to a little bit of a rough start last year, too. I think his, his first start and opening day was good, but then he had a couple of rough outings after that and was able to pick up the pieces. So I, I feel like it'll be a, a similar trajectory for him. But, you know, you wonder, you know, you look at the mental side of, of things, too. You know, him deciding to come back and spurning the draft and all of that. And, right. you know, you wonder after these first two starts if that's weighing on him at all. You know, there's, there's a lot at play with him there. And, you know, I wonder if things keep going in this direction. You know, Brendan McKay hasn't... You know, is the complete opposite. He hasn't allowed a run yet in 14 innings, and he's so good. Only he's, walked, ridiculous. he's only walked four. You know, you wonder if maybe at some point they slide him to the Friday roll and maybe take a little pressure off of Funkhauser. And it's obviously complicated, guys. We talked about Luke and Baker. It's complicated when you have a two-way guy. What's the best time to use him? And Dan McDonald's had this before. He was in a system. I mean, he made the comp to you last year, Mike. I'm pretty sure about Stephen Head mm-hmm. when he was at Ole Miss. Yeah course the reunion this weekend he was at Ole Miss when they had Stephen Head uh Seth Smith all those guys the middle part of last decade about 10 years ago 11 years ago in Ole Miss so like every year they were a super regional team they'd have a crazy crowd at Swayze and they'd lose the super regional at home uh the Brian Petway those kind of teams you know they had some great teams couldn't quite get over the hump um Louisville has gotten over the hump to Omaha couldn't quite get over it last year um that's going to be a challenge for them I, I feels like they like using McKay on Saturdays. They wound yeah, up I do doing wonder, that last year. I don't know if they're one of those that fall into the. They like to. If they're one of the programs likes to do the right, left, right. Yeah. In their rotation, because I know. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. How with NC State, where they keep Brian Brown on Saturdays, even though he's their best guy. They kept Carlos Rodon on Saturday. A lot his of his freshman year. Of his, they did. I think his second year. A lot of his career, he was on Saturdays. And I just wonder if. Well, they Louisville do have. Is in that same. Uh, yeah. yeah, they do have Drew Harrington starting Sundays though, a left-hander. Oh, so right. they could they could split the lefties with Funkhauser True. in the middle if they stick with Harrington. I mean, they have some options there for that Sunday spot as well. They have Caden McClure who pitched really well in the fall. And I'm Caden McClure. It had a solid midweek start, and you know they have Anthony Kidston who's a veteran who you know so over rotation mm-hmm. stalwart thing. Yeah, he was he was their Saturday starter, and he's you know he's only thrown two innings this year, but they were a solid two innings, five strikeouts, one hit. So you know. That, that's one. I, I think Louisville has a better chance of figuring that out than NC State. We'll wrap up on the yeah. ACC real quick, Jimmer. But that, that was odd. Wolfpack got pounded on Friday yeah. and used basically their midweek starting approach. But they did kind of bounce back over the weekend. And I'll say this, Wright State looked like a regional team yeah. to me. That's a very physical bunch. I was yeah. very impressed with Wright State. Obviously, the ball was flying out Saturday. There were six home runs, a lot of wind blowing out. But yeah. How, what was your impression of Wright State as one of these mid-majors? I mean, Vince yeah, was, Laura wrote about him last year in the in the regional. Jesse Schulten certainly mm-hmm. looked the part of a, of a legit ACC weekend guy to me on Friday. Um, I have to imagine that plays very well in the Horizon League, but how did NC State bounce back the rest of the weekend? Yeah, it was funny. After the, uh, I wasn't there Saturday, but I went there yesterday, and after the game, uh, the Elliott Avent, the Wolfpack's head coach, was like, yeah, scheduling scheduling them was a mistake. <laughs> so, I mean, but, hey, as long as you win the series, it'll, it'll look good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was – they had their hands full, I think, once they kind of – you know, like kind of like you were saying, they treated that Friday game almost like a, a midweek game because they did have a midweek game get rained out, so they kind of just stuck with what they were going to do for that game. But, um, 
And yeah, I mean, they've kind of, we're kind of talking to people around there. They've got all these five-game weeks early in the season. Um, they've got two more midweek games scheduled this week, so they're kind of, they're kind of doing that to sort out all these this pitching, figure out who they want on the weekends when conference play starts. But yeah, that kind of it did work against them on Friday. And yeah, well, I mean, Joe O'Donnell was okay on Sunday. Obviously, Brian. The, probably the big thing is that Brian Brown looked like he threw pretty well on Saturday. Yeah, he's crucial um, for what NC State yeah, wants he, to do. He did not. Forward. I mean, he got hit hard by Coastal on their uh, in his first start. So if he's if he's on track, then that's that's a big step. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, the offense is kind of humming along. I mean, they got their opener. They got shut out by Old Dominion. But I think they've scored at least six, seven runs every game since then. So that's kind of been uh, been what we thought. Well, it's pretty neat uh, to see uh, college baseball in uh, being started again. Pretty neat to see the tournament that started out in San Diego, the Tony Gwynn Classic. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, they've had, and I like the way that Kurt Kenny put it, you know, people don't think of, you think of college baseball attendance, and you usually think of the Southeastern Conference, or you think of, uh, you know, some of these one-off games like Tulane and LSU used to play every year in the Superdome, or you think about Georgia and Georgia Tech play at Turner Field, or some of those kind of things, some of the conference tournaments, obviously think of Omaha, but the single game record for attendance is the 40,000 fans at uh, Petco when it opened in 2004. Side draft note, that was the one where, that was the Matt Bush draft, which became the Matt Bush draft. That was one where the Padres uh, had Long Beach State open the uh, ballpark. Um, you know, San Diego State played Houston, and then Long Beach State played that night. I forget who Jared Weaver pitched against. But he straight shoved. I mean, Jared Weaver's junior year, he had like 20 walks and 213 strikeouts, something sick like that. Um, I just remember arguing with Will Kimmy all year, but who'd be better, Mark Pryor or Jared Weaver? Will Kimmy won that one. Don't hate admitting when I lost. I lost that one badly. But And then after that weekend, it was just uh, Padres general manager Kevin Towers was there. And he was like, oh, yeah, Jared Weaver was great. We're definitely looking at him with the number one overall pick. I mean, there was no... Yeah, there was no subterfuge there with, uh, um, you know, with Kevin Towers, who ultimately told ownership, no, he wants six or eight million dollars. He's probably not worth that. Of course, he was worth it, especially if you're going to give Matt Bush three point one five. But I digress. Anyway, the point is, San Diego has a history with college baseball tournaments. They brought this one back in honor of the late Tony Gwynn, uh, Arizona, Bryant, Kentucky, Nebraska, Tulane, UC Santa Barbara, and they actually played an actual tournament. Yeah. Um, along with it's the two host part. teams, that's you. Do you, any of you guys remember? This is the first one I can remember. I can't think of anything else like that. It's not just yeah. you get your three games in and it's a round robin. Everybody plays. They actually did an actual tournament, and uh, UC Santa Barbara won the whole dad gum thing. I suppose. Uh, what, what did what, you, know, you talked to Andrew Checkets last week, Jibber? What was the Gauchos coach's question going into the weekend, and you know, kind of what answer? What questions were answered for him this weekend in San Diego? Well, I mean, certainly the uh, kind of the question going into the year was just how much pitching depth they would have. I mean, obviously Dylan Tate, Justin Hockamy, those guys are gone. Uh, Dominic uh, Mazza was another guy that was good for them last year who was gone. So, I mean, pitching was kind of, it's kind of a much different, you kind of, these aren't last year's uh, gauchos. You kind of have to redefine how you think of them. I mean, they're a much more physical offensive team now. And, um, you know, other than, and, you know, they're kind of looking for guys in the mound other than Shane Bieber who did uh, – Unfortunately named. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Bad um, time to be a Bieber. But he, uh, I mean, he threw well both his first, first two starts. He beat Kentucky on um, on Friday in their first round game. And, you know, but they, they've been scoring runs. I mean, kind of like saying, they're a much more physical team. I mean, uh, 
you know, Michael McAdoo, a freshman they have, not to be confused with the former Tar Heel basketball player. But, uh, Current Warriors, yeah, not non-stalwart. Yeah. Current Warriors bench bench choker. But he's a you know physical freshman in the outfield who's been good for him. Uh, got some a few other guys. Uh, Ryan Clark, their third baseman, has been really good. Clay Fisher, their shortstop, who was kind of they thought would be a, more of a defensive ace, but he's hit out there hitting 320. So I mean they're. They're scoring runs. I mean, do we still have Andrew Kalika, their uh, leadoff guy, who's a, kind of one of the few familiar names there. But I mean, Cape batting champ. Good place champ. to start. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a solid senior like that. But mm-hmm. it is surprising to see, to hear a big West coach say, we're going to be built around exactly. offense. Exactly. He talked about that. Like when He's like, you know, I don't know when we get into conference play and we have to go to Long Beach and all this kind of stuff, how we're going to, how it's going to play for us. But we are a, you know, his words, you know, we are a more offensive team now. It's going to be what we are. That is, um, that's a different pace for that league, for sure. And we'll see if that can be kept up by uh, UC Santa Barbara. Teddy's back now um, on this patchy connection. But, Teddy, what was your takeaway from the Gwynn Classic? Any teams that really jump out at you out there? Because for me, uh, and what stands out is, I guess, well, Kentucky, uh, one and two. <laughs> that's a wonderful sound. San Diego State's uh, struggling, too. San Diego, so, so San Diego State's off to a poor start one hosting the event. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kentucky go one and two out there, Teddy. Uh, anything else from the Gwynn Classic uh, stand out to you? Uh, any takeaways that, that jumped out uh, while you were in Houston and uh, watching San Diego from afar? Yeah, I mean, I was I was impressed by what, um, what UCSB did, and now they've got a, a series going to Oregon where, where Andrew Chekets was hired from. So, uh, you know, they're, they're an interesting team to watch. Kentucky was uh, a little disappointed with their pitching, I, I would think, um, you know, Kyle Cody and Zach Brown bookended the weekend with um, subpar starts. And Kentucky's thing this year is going to be their pitching staff. And that, that's why we like them coming into the year. So they, they need to get those two guys going here. Um, but they're another team that hasn't been home yet. They, come, they go home this weekend, uh, you know, like Oklahoma State, and I mentioned 20 minutes ago now probably. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when, when Kentucky goes home, maybe they, maybe they can get those guys going and and uh, figure some things out because you know the, the Wildcats are still a pretty good team. It just was not the best weekend for them out on the West Coast. Just just on the West Coast tip before we wrap up, so you have Santa Barbara playing really well. Fullerton bounces back this weekend from their opening series loss to, to get that to four and two. Irvine's off to a decent start. Cal Poly's off to a good start. And then Long Beach State beating Arizona State two out of three. I mean I know Arizona State's in a little bit of a rebuild mode right now, but that was impressive to me. Uh, you know, Irvine, I know they split their first weekend with San Jose State. They swept Nevada, certainly Nevada's in some rebuild. Um, but so far, the Big West, I mean, the Big West always has that chip on its shoulder. Um, to me, Long Beach State's really the team I'm, I'm pretty, I'm really interested in Long Beach State. Uh, Matheson, who's their Friday guy, I know they think highly of him. Um, I know Troy Buckley's kind of been trying to rebuild things. I guess Matheson actually goes on Saturdays. Um, but so far, so good. Uh, they played. Uh, they won a midweek against UCLA this week. Um, they're going to play low-scoring games, and you play low-scoring games, you're going to have to have less margin for error. So you're going to drop a game to Holy Cross every once in a while. You could lose some of those. But they they have a non-conference schedule, guys. I know they play the Holy Cross, but they have Arizona State that just beat Nebraska next week at a home at Oklahoma. Um, I know they also play Columbia. But three of those five non-conference series are pretty stout, um, especially on paper. I wonder if that's really going to help Long Beach RPI-wise uh, late in the year um, as an at-large team if they can't win the uh, Big West. So 
to me, uh, we talked about the ACC a little bit before, a fairly auspicious beginning uh, for the Big West. Uh, any last takeaways from you guys, Teddy? Anything else you want to throw in in this uh, podcast that has gone too long and you need to clear out of your hotel room? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I just think it was a it was a good weekend all around college baseball. You know, you, you have these early season tournaments, and but you also have teams going on the road uh, like Florida and Louisville and Oklahoma State. You know, teams that don't have to necessarily. Yeah, good schedules. Um, you know, it, yeah, it, it was good for these these teams to get out and, and to um, to play play away from home and and see where you are early in the season. It's only February, uh, but you know, like uh, Coach Mike Bianco said to me. Yesterday, you know, it is what it is, but what it is is where you are right now. And so they, I think a lot of teams learned something about themselves this weekend. And, you know, it would be great to see how they, uh, how they approach the improvements that they, they found out they need to make or adjustments over the next couple months. And you can see more and read more about Mike Bianco and his Ole Miss club in today's Off the Bat that Teddy Cahill has already posted at BaseballAmerica.com if you haven't seen it already. Uh, Mike, uh, what, what are you looking ahead to? Are you going to be at this LeClaire Classic next weekend for the Pirate Buffet in East Carolina? It's <laughs> famed in the fortune in, uh, in local sports writer lore that they uh, Malcolm Gray and the ECU uh, sports formation folks at the LeClaire Ballpark take take care of the of the media there at the LeClaire Classic. But a good tournament coming to East Carolina this weekend with uh, Southeast of Louisiana, Maryland, Tennessee. Uh, I'm hoping to get there for uh, see uh, Nick Senzel since his name rhymes with Denzel. I'm excited about him. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely excited for the food options in the press box. I think, you know, that's that's really the biggest reason why I'm going. But uh, I also really want to see Mike Schwarren in action for Maryland. Is That's that's the guy that I, re- I really want to see. I haven't gotten a close look, in-person look at him yet. So I got a scouting report on Mike Schwarren this weekend. And yeah. uh, the, the short version that I remember from the text is the changeup has advanced significantly. The fastball is crisp. He dominated Rhode Island. I mean, it's Rhode Island. Eight innings, one hit. Yeah. Um, he was very, very sharp. He was much. Uh, he was much better than the DC area traffic, according to the scouts I talked to, <laughs> who were grumbling in DC traffic and had time to text because they were stuck in their car, not moving after the game. So. Yeah. Uh, but Mike probably Schwarin, never been to Maryland before. It's probably the reason. At least before last year, maybe. Yeah. I mean, whoever had to go coming since uh, Eric Milton, maybe Justin Maxwell brought you out a few years past, but you probably wouldn't go see him on the war on the road. But Shorn and Senzel, a couple of uh, first rounders. Uh, will be uh, on display this weekend. And uh, Jim, any, any last takeaways for you? Uh, well, I mean, certainly you guys stole my thunder there with the Leclerc. You know I can't miss a chance to see the Terps. But uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, I am looking forward to that. Um, be there at least a couple of those days. Uh, we have South Carolina so, Clemson. I mean, usually exactly, that's, that's a, the, the hallmark of the weekend, usually. Um, yeah. I know you guys talked about TCU, but I'll throw in my tip of the cap to how good they looked this weekend from what I watched. Uh, I think... Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably the main thing. I was looking forward to the player. Uh, Irish Classic is here this weekend with Alabama coming in, who's uh, off to a good start. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's the yeah, Clemson, South Carolina will be fun. Yeah, and then see out, out in L.A., that's going to be a great tournament. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited about sun. Week. I'm excited about good weather. We've had good weather. We haven't had a, yeah. a, a weekend yet in college baseball. Uh, knock on fake wood here, but we haven't had a weekend yet where it's been like, oh, games were canceled, didn't play, rescheduled, won't make it up. So uh, the more games we get in, the better. I uh, encourage you to use your SeatGeek app, to download the SeatGeek app, use the Baseball America promo code, promo code BA20. And uh, thanks again to SeatGeek for coming aboard as a podcast sponsor. And use it, get out and watch some college baseball and uh, whatever. And, of course, spring training with games getting ready to start. Uh, I believe that includes college exhibitions as well. So 
BC uh, and the Red Sox. The, yeah, that's right. Undefeated BC. And a lot of those get to start. I think Florida Atlantic also playing um, St. Louis uh, Cardinals either today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So West Virginia and the D-backs. West Virginia and the D-backs, a natural rivalry. <laughs> that one makes all kinds of sense. Well done, Randy Mazin, to get that one on the schedule. Uh, so for our whole crew here, Mike LaDana, Jim Schoner, and Teddy Cahill, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.